0: Different things have different levels of importance to different people. Whether it be the summit of Mount Everest, top of your business
1: area, or healthy in a year, or a quarter million dollar savings by the time you're 35 years old.
0: We're not going to tell you what should be important in your life. That's for you to decide. But no matter what it is, it's not always easy if you can envision that
1: then you can walk through all the crevasses and all the rockfall and all the challenges that are going to be on the way it's just like mountaineering man you got to have that vision for the summit and then just tough through it
0: hey there everyone before we get things started a couple of quick things that you should know we got some good deals going on. 10% off ski touring from Jackson Hole Mountain Guides. Just drop our name, Mountain Meister, Mountain Meister Podcast, whatever, when you call to book your tour, they'll give it to you. Also, 20% off a tiny little med kit that's perfect for the adventures where you forget to take one or you may not think you need it. Both of these can be found on perhaps the most beautiful website on the internet, that's mtnmeister.com or mountainmeister.com. We own both of them. Our website was designed and created by Laura. Not Laura, as her business name may indicate. Seriously, her web design and consulting business is named Not Laura. Check out all of her great work at notlaura.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. Today, with us, we welcome Major Rob Marshall. Hello, Major Rob Marshall.
1: Morning, Ben. How are you doing?
0: I am so good. Welcome to Mountain Meister. Uh, For the listeners who don't know Rob, he is a reserve C-17 pilot in the Seattle area. Also the co-founder of the USAF, United States Air Force, Seven Summits Challenge, and the director of the USAF 50 Summits Challenge. In the Seven Summits variety, Rob led the climb of Mount Everest in the process of fundraising for the families of fallen soldiers. Rob, thank you for your service, and I'm glad we could get you on to the show today. Sometimes it's a little difficult. Uh, I've received emails that say, sorry, I'll I'll be in a remote part of Africa for a few months, can't do a Skype call there, or some people are headed down to Antarctica or the Himalaya, wherever. Your version of this, Rob, was I'll be and this is exactly what the email said, I'll be doing a survival slash avoid capture training on Tuesday from eight AM until well after dark. <laughs> What what is a survival slash avoid capture training?
1: <laughs> uh, imagine a bunch of adults running around the woods, um, acting like children. They play, <laughs> basically playing hide and go seek, uh, but in reality, it's much more serious. They air crews since way back uh, in the World War II days uh, want to be able to if if your plane you know goes down, you got to parachute out, whatever, and, and you're in an area that may not be the most friendly. You need to be experts at uh, moving from wherever you end up to a safe place so that's what we'll be doing uh, tonight and they require all levels of military to practice that type of stuff
0: huh so have you done these before yeah some
1: Um, of them are pretty cool Ben I think the coolest one I ended up doing we're stinking around and uh, we get quote-unquote captured but it turns out by by moderately good guys then you get picked up in a vehicle the lights are out The driver has night vision goggles on, but you guys, we can't see hardly anything, and you go tearing through the forest. Next thing you know, they drop you off at a river, and a boat shows up completely blacked out, and you get onto, like, this Navy SEAL-style boat. Next thing you know, they're tearing down a big, windy Florida river at high speed, and everyone's got night vision on, and uh, the idea is simulating what it might be like if you have to get rescued.
0: Wow. So, really, really realistic. Yeah, and they
1: might be explosions sometimes, or sometimes it's just real quiet, and they want it to be eerie and make you wonder if someone was following you, uh, and then basically practice, uh, you know, live it. either you might be surviving for one day, or they may have you in a posture where you need to get ready to be here for maybe a month. It might take a long time to get you out.
0: Wow, that's pretty impressive.
1: It's fun. There's no question. It'll be a good time tonight.
0: Okay. Well, fun for some. <laughs> How? This is another random question that I had. I saw that you had the nickname Goat. How did you get that nickname?
1: Well, without getting too embarrassing, um, Goat comes from two different things. I, I got it. Uh, I, I got it from my uh, classmates at the Air Force Academy, which is in Colorado mm-hmm. Springs, and that's where I started bagging a, a lot of fourteeners and really, really getting into. Uh, the love of higher altitude and the guys found that I like to hop from rock to rock to rock, just kind of billy goat my style, you know, uh-huh. billy goat my way up like scree piles and from boulder to boulder. Uh, and then also I like to eat anything I see. So <laughs> I'm not afraid of, um, you know, going around third world countries There's I, I, I don't often go hungry if there's anything edible at all, um, to be had.
0: Uh, you, you and I are very similar in that regard. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, what's the worst what's the worst thing you've ever eaten that you can think of? Oh, without grossing out people.
0: Yeah, no, I've I've eaten uh duck feet Ooh. uh and then also uh buffalo flavored rabbit testicles. <laughs> was was probably the weirdest. It was like similar to the way that a buffalo chicken wing would, you know, a buffalo flavored chicken wing would be cooked with blue cheese. Uh <laughs> but it was a rabbit testicle. <laughs> How about you? <laughs>
1: Oh, man. I don't think anything will ever top that. that's pretty Um,
0: good, right? It was at a nice restaurant, too. Wow.
1: Well, (laughs) you know, this is, it is actually, I I thought it was really unusual. It was a little scary. I wasn't, when I was in Nepal the first time, when I actually came up with the idea, um, kind of for the Seven Summits, I was just traveling on my own during the rainy season, and I was in this little hut, and nobody was speaking English. It was a shirt, it was like a Sherpa home, and this was back in 2001, and they pulled this bulbous like thing off the off the fire mantle It had been like sitting up there near where a lot of the smoke goes and it had just been like drying out and smoking and i remember they sliced off little pieces of it and this old sherpa older sherpa that i was with in his broken english was like this is this is like a big deal like this is delicacy and i ate it and it was i i don't even know how to describe what it was it was just it was gross it, it didn't uh,
0: it didn't taste good
1: Yeah, but I found out later on that it was like a cancerous piece of body meat or something from a yak. You know, like how they get those, (laughs) like the growths on the side of them. And these guys had smoked it or dried it and then uh, cut it. Because I could tell it had a lot of weird fat. And uh, anyway, that's what my sister's a, a vet and she used to work on yaks. And she's like, "Oh, I think that you ate the X Y Z part." And I was like, "Oh, you got to be kidding oh, me!"
0: Oh no! Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it was a delicacy, so hey.
0: That is so peculiar. Wow. Okay. All I don't right. know between between rabbit testicles and that growth that you ate. We we pretty much have it covered. I think. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if goat the, um, came from the acronym Greatest of All Time uh when when did you get the nickname because as far back as i could tell there was a there was an album by ooh, maybe ll cool j that was greatest of all time goat in the year 2000 when did you get your nickname
1: oh man that it came out probably i i think goat came out maybe just before 2000 but it okay. could have been right around 1999 yeah, like that was kind of 99 2000 was the peak so maybe that's where mm-hmm. the guys Maybe well, from,
0: and then I saw you did the push-ups on the summit of Mount Everest. So living up to the greatest of all time nickname, I'd imagine that's a record, right? You did thirty of them.
1: Yeah, we I did thirty and thirty seconds up on the top.
0: Nice. And uh, do you know if that's a record? Uh I did a bunch of research and looked into <laughs> it, and it sure it sure looks like nice. it. We
1: were really trying to use if it wasn't going to be a record, we wanted it to be um, helpful in our fundraising yep. efforts because that's what we do a lot of the push-ups for.
0: Yeah, tell us more about the push-ups. Well, so,
1: you know, we, I started the Seven Summits Challenge about nine years ago. And the goal was to raise money for this um, charity called the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. And simply put, it takes kind of like the, the most at-risk soldiers in the the in America's military, which are like our Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Delta Force, uh, Air Commando type guys, the folks that are kind of out sneaking around trying to grab the Bin Ladens in the world. Mm-hmm. And... um, it sends any of their kids, if any of, the, if any of their fathers or mothers die while serving in those units, those kids get a free college education anywhere they get accepted, wow. whether it's Harvard or community college. Um, they get not just like board and clothing and tuition, but they also get cars, car insurance, a flight home to see mom and dad. Um, so the, we started raising money for that because I was on a, a special operations mission, in this crazy little country called Albania. Now it is in Europe, but I tell you what, it does not feel European. It's, um, it's a rough and tumble type area, but their mountains are gorgeous. It is definitely a place for folks that love mountains. You should try to go and explore in Albania. Just, you know, watch out for all the, the mafioso. um, but we were down there doing a special ops mission in 2005 and, it was my night off from flying, and and at this point I was um, a pilot of an airplane called an MC-130, and it's a special operations like transport, flies a lot in the dark. And anyway, long 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 story short, um, during the training, uh, one of the one of my groups of buddies made a mistake, and they crashed their plane just a hundred feet short of a ridge line as they're trying to cross it, and it killed nine American. Uh, airmen and that left 11 kids without a parent and that that those are my years of my life where I thought we were indestructible you know like a lot of mountaineers get that mentality like man I am indestructible I'm just crushing it everything I do I'm doing great and when I got told that night as I was coming back with a handful of beer and pizza to give those guys when they landed um, I was told hey we think they crashed um, that's when it struck me like you know we aren't indestructible so um, after recovering from it all, trying to do a rescue operation, and really just it sunk to my body. I was like, well, what can I do to to make a difference now? And that's when we said, well, let's raise money for those 11 kids and make sure that when they become college-aged, the widow has nothing to worry about in terms of getting them through school. And one of the ways we raised money was doing push-ups on the top of the summit. I said, hey, most people are exhausted on top of mountain peaks, but... What happens if we show that we're not exhausted and in fact we're going to start knocking out push-ups because we got more energy uh and it it was a big hit we 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 earned a lot of money doing that
0: that is so neat uh so you did you completed the the seven summits project uh, a little bit ago your 2013 summit of mount everest correct yeah uh where you did 30 push-ups on top of that summit um now you're working at the 50 summits challenge tell us about that
1: Yeah, so the Seven Summits was awesome, Ben. Um, And we had all kinds of different airmen join us, but we realized, man, it takes a lot of time to get folks down to like Antarctica, or obviously it takes a a crazy amount of time to do like a Mount Everest. And that took a say
0: We should say to the listeners that this is all personally funded. Yes, to
1: avoid a lot of red tape. Um, we self-funded and pretty much used all of our own vacation time for these climbs um, while but, you're on so,
0: while you're on duty
1: well yeah well like in between combat uh, like we had to cancel a few different trips because um, flare-ups in Iraq or Afghanistan uh, made us unavailable mm-hmm. when I was up on McKinley I actually got called back uh, 24 hours from the summit uh, because my unit was going to Iraq and they said we need you back right now and I said hey hey can <sighs> you wait you wait just a little bit because I'm literally we're going to the summit tomorrow, and uh, they said negative. Wow! So no kidding. So it, it was hard to manage it, and I realized well we can't keep doing the seven summits over and over and over again on our own money and our own time. Would be me. You just that's it's mm-hmm. impossible. So we when we finished the seven summits, um, I was like, well, how can I include more military members? In these awesome, awesome experiences that teach them resiliency, build their risk management skills, make them into better leaders and better followers. So we said, well, why not here in America? Like America is, is awesome. We've got so many different types of mountains, so many different environments, different challenges. Why keep traveling around the world and spending buku dollars uh, hitting these huge peaks when we can have the same adventures right here in our own nation so that's when we said let's do the 50 summits challenge get military members airmen to the highest point in each state and that way i knew all skill levels from you know driving to the high point of florida to that's the
0: lowest one right yeah (laughs) 345 feet britain hill i looked it up
1: (laughs) uh ben when we were in antarctica a friend of ours uh, when we were getting ready to fly in Antarctica, a friend of ours sent us a photo, and it was them holding their dog like on top of the high point, like. And they're like, "Our dog got to the top of Florida's high point, and it only cost us one, two coffees and a tank of gas." Like, <laughs> what? What's it costing you to do Antarctica? And we're like, "Ouch! Good point." So that that mentality really stuck with me. Like, wait, let's make these. Let's make these adventures affordable and let's make them for all skill levels from, like I said, Florida to like a McKinley and we can do them over and over again. And I don't even have to be there. Like I'm, I'm outsourcing. So I'm taking volunteers from around the military and saying, Hey, do you have the skills and the knowledge and the drive to lead a group of airmen up your local high point? Well, then let's do it. We'll advertise for you. We'll get the word out. We'll help you with your risk management and we'll just kind of like give you a little quality control over the plan. And all, your mission is get everybody safely at that, that high point, get a photo, and send it back. And And it's got a life – it's got a very long, long lifespan. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: and so far, so good.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. How, how far through so far? Um, I think
1: we just got our 13th state high point about two weeks ago. And that was in Alabama. And they had, I think, 40 people with them. And they did – over 2,000, I think it was over 2,500 pushups on the summit. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And, and, and the, they said the best part, and this is what makes me like, this is the awesome part about the outdoors. This gives it's you
0: a, goosebumps, right?
1: Yeah, it does. There were more children in that event than there were adults. And so you've got all these little tykes getting to the quote unquote summit of Alabama And they're learning to do push-ups, and they're having fun and they're seeing that like this camaraderie and this, their, their family is relaxed. Their mom and dad are at ease and everyone's laughing like, man, that's, that's magic. That's like, that's like the golden ticket for military members, health and prosperity for mental and physical health.
0: So cool. Yeah. On mountain Meister, we talk about what happens in the extremes and how that relates to our everyday life, uh, And in this case, there are a lot of parallels in mountaineering and military service, some of which may be covered in what used to be our intro to this podcast. Uh, John Houston so eloquently said, galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Uh, And then the other two as well, uh, being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. And you gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. In your experience, Rob, how does your military service relate to what you've experienced on the mountain and then also what you've seen out of others?
1: Yeah. Well, so one thing to keep in mind, Ben, is that, you know, we, we do these climbs, not just to get to the summit, but a lot of it is about healing military members. When when that plane crashed in Albania for me, uh, I didn't know like how to handle it, and it's hard. It was hard for me to cry at that time. Like I, I wasn't an experienced mm-hmm. public crier, I'll admit. But what I found was sweat. For me, sweat was just as powerful as tears in healing the the traumatic experiences of my life. Like mm-hmm. if I could get up into the mountains and do that type of stuff, um, that it helped me. Re- You know, overcome the the just like that that stomach gnawing pain of knowing that you know friends are dying. Well, there's a lot of military members that relate to um, that sort of medicine. Instead of grieving publicly, a lot of them want to get into the gym. A lot of them want to do something to get their heart rate up. And in general, military members like we relate well to stress and challenge. So that's one of the big connections we have with mountaineering and and so i love getting my teams out there and saying hey this isn't a combat zone but the risks are real mm-hmm. and if and, and a lot of them like their eyes perk up and you can tell that they're, like, they're totally engaged in that moment so i think if you want to draw one really big parallel between the military and um, mountaineering i think you'll find that like the stress and the challenge gets, it it helps clear the fog of of traumatic experiences for a lot of people and really gets them in the moment.
0: And to ask somebody to go from something so extreme uh, to kind of coddling them and trying to make them feel warm and fuzzy, it just doesn't work, right? Like if you think about it, that doesn't make sense.
1: Not for a lot of guys, especially like special operators or people that have been in combat. They don't, it doesn't, they don't want to be coddled. What I like to do is you get them into the outdoors, you get their sweat pumping, you have them talking about any stories they want. They want to talk about military stories or whatever, but I tell you what, it it always ends up that their guard comes down. They start talking about family, they start talking about maybe even some traumatic stuff that they've held locked up because they realize, hey, this is a this is a safe place and like no one's going to call me a wimp cuz we're up here like climbing, we got harnesses on. Maybe we're living in tents for you know days at a time, um, we're working our butts off, and these guys understand me and so next thing you know, the mountains become like this just this perfect environment for everyone to open up and talk and and tears do come out, but at that point um it's exactly what they need, like they're finally decompressing, and the outdoors just is almost like a sponge it like extracts that pain
0: mm, yeah, do you have flashbacks or visions while you're on the mountain of times in your service? <laughs>
1: That's a tough question. I don't have, um, like a high, a high level of PTSD or anything like that. Like I'm a lucky person by, by flying and dropping off a lot of the door kickers. I, I was spared a lot of that. Like, okay, you know, there's could be a bad guy right on the other side of this door. So I absolutely respect that what a lot of the, um, frontline troops, uh, have seen is, is much worse than I've seen, um, so I, I often think about the people like the friends that have died in plane crashes, you know, the ones that are the most relatable to me. And sometimes when I'm in the when I'm climbing, I just get more of like that sense, like I, I kinda picture their crash scene, I picture the videos of the crashes happening, but then almost immediately I get like this defense mechanism and as I'm climbing I'm thinking, dude, they would they're smiling at me right now because they know this is a good place to be. Like they know what we're doing is good work.
0: Yeah. So there are some similarities. There are also some interesting contrasts. Uh, one of which has been bugging me lately is if if we think about what you're doing when you serve in the military, it's, it's exactly that. You're serving. You're subjecting yourself to elevated risk for the benefit of a greater cause, whereas in mountaineering, you are subjecting yourself to a greater risk Uh, But normally, those rewards are more internal. So it's kind of selfish in that regard. But I I need to say, too, that I have never served in the military, and I have also never done any high-altitude mountaineering. Rob, you have done both. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. What differences are there in mountaineering and military service?
1: Ben, I think you'll find that most military members aren't walking around thinking, Hey, I'm in the military. I am not being selfish, and people that aren't in the military aren't selfish because that would be a selfish kind of thought okay. process, uh-huh. right there. Uh, you get people that sign up for the military, and it and it is very unselfish. You, it's not like the risk of mountaineering where you are looking at avalanche conditions and and you're looking at the weather and things are fairly predictable. Imagine taking all that and then throwing in like you you know. Uh, some dude with a gun pops up out of your ski tracks and shoots you. And you're like, well, that's not fair. That wasn't predicted. Well, that's what the military members, that's the level of risk they face. You you take mountaineering or outdoor risk that can be mostly predictable, and then you throw in the unpredictability of an enemy. And that's scary. And they do it to protect America. They do it to make sure we can wake up and lay skin tracks early in the morning and that we can reach peaks. But I don't think anybody ever looks down on – someone else's path in life, mm. at least I don't. That's who I can speak to. I I know what I've done is unselfish, but I think when I see other people out like communing with nature, like right behind my house, I've got a place called Tiger Mountain. And when I see folks up there hiking or running, especially when they've got their kids with them, I'm like, hey, they're doing their bit in their life. Like they're raising their children or they're staying mentally and physically healthy. They, they just didn't have a calling to put on a uniform. Mm-hmm and so i don't judge them but i do give obviously mad credit to the men and women that do say hey i'm going to take on risk some of it is way out of my control and i'm going to serve america um but i don't i don't think i could you can't you can't put down not putting on the uniform and doing your own version of risk like right. that's yeah. that's that's their own path
0: yeah good point uh it's funny like hearing you talk about this you you seem to be very good at identifying when your suffering now will translate into reward later, right, like during the mountaineering, you suffer, but it it has a reward on the other side um, but in general, a lot of humans have trouble uh making decisions where the ultimate reward of that decision is delayed, so for example, saving money for retirement, a lot of people have trouble doing that because it's very difficult to identify that vague feeling in the future when you'll get paid off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm wondering how you're immune to this, and I'd imagine that because you enjoy this kind of suffering now, reaping the benefits later, I'd imagine that you do eat healthily, uh, exercise, and then you also have a good savings fund for retirement. Do I have that right? (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Okay. In fact, I'm putting an offer on a house uh, today and thank God I've been saving since I was 18, because the the market up here in Seattle is nuts.
0: Huh. Interesting. So why why do you think you are so good at identifying reward later?
1: You know, I think our mountain people are going to appreciate this mm-hmm. this thought process. Um when I talk to groups about climbing or outdoor stuff, I talk about how you rarely, rarely get to see your objective when you leave the trailhead. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like Everyone pulls into the parking lot and maybe you're going to Everest and it, you won't even see the summit of Everest for another 10 days of hiking on the trails. Or maybe you're doing a McKinley or maybe you're just doing a local hike where it, it's going to take a couple hours before you can even see your destination. Well, isn't that a lot like
0: mm-hmm.
1: eating healthy, saving money, making those long-term difficult decisions, knowing that the payout's going to be better? I think I was a lucky dude to have a par- to have parents that taught me about backpacking. And I, do, you, you can you guys know how it goes. You're like you're hiking for like an hour and you're like, "Are you are we there yet? Are you kidding me? My backpack's heavy." And you're and if you've got a mom and dad that have that vision, they go, "Hey, relax. When you see where we're going to camp tonight, it's going to be worth it." So I grew up with that ethos of saying hard work now is going to pay off later. And I'll draw the analogy between eating healthy, saving money, making the tough decisions to uh, go through college so that you've got that degree later on. It's you've got to have a vision of where you want to be, whether it be the summit of Mount Everest or the top of your business area or healthy in a year or uh, a quarter million dollar savings by the time you're 35 years old. If you can envision that then you can walk through all the crevasses and all the rockfall and all the challenges that are going to be on the way. It's just like mountaineering, man. You got to have that vision for the summit and then just tough through it.
0: Such a good metaphor. And while we're on the topic for the listeners, we have our 2015 goals written on our website. Uh, And we have shown and studies have shown that writing your goals down and making them public actually improves your chances of. Of achieving them. So if you just got really motivated there by what Rob had to say, go to our website and write down your goals for 2015. Rob, let's switch over to your gear recommendation, something that we like to talk about on the show. But but we don't always talk about gear on Mountain Meister. But when we do, we prefer that it comes from the man who did 30 push-ups on the top of Mount Everest, Major Rob Marshall. Give our listeners something that they have to have.
1: All right. Well, when I think of being waking up and it's cold out and it's go time. Like when it was time to hit the summit or go for some of my bigger peaks where the weather was getting nasty, Wool came out with this awesome mid-weight hoodie. So it's your typical Merino wool long underwear, but it's got a hoodie and it just like keeps all that heat from escaping around your neck. Protects your face, your ears from howling winds, and if you're like me and you get sweat a lot, you don't have to put on many layers on top of that. So that thing is my absolute go-to when the weather starts nuking. Mm-hmm. And then when it's not nuking and you're laying out like in the high altitude sun, well, you know you got to listen to a little Bob Marley or uh, some Jack Johnson. Those are so, those
0: are your picks. Those are your go-tos.
1: You know, I'm a big fan of pretending like I'm sitting out in the uh, parking lot of like a ski area. <laughs> And just like lame, like an '80s film, like that's what I always try to emulate—is that okay. '80s film feet up. So I'm always jamming out to like uh, portable speakers, but obviously there's not good power in a lot of these mountain areas. So Goal Zero hooked us up years ago with uh, one of their smaller portable solar panels, and that thing is the bomb. It it charges my iPhone and it charges my uh, my speaker, and I couldn't ask for anything better.
0: Awesome the goal zero portable charger and the smart wool hoodie on Rob's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. I'll also throw the video up of you doing the push-ups on the summit of Mount Everest uh, and any other relevant things that we've talked about today. To I wanna talk about what you're what you're up to next, Rob, because the Seven Summits project has been completed. The Fifty Summits project is uh, well underway. What what plans do you have for the future?
1: You know, Ben, that's, that's a good question. I'm taking a, a bit of a risk myself right now. Huh. Uh, I separated from active duty so I could have a little bit more flexibility uh, as a reservist. And when the time comes to get a job, I'm thinking... What can I do to get more military members in the outdoors? So I'm really working on a project right now. I've been talking with Outward Bound, talking with the military. What I want to see is a project that gets that, here's the word that I want to hit. It's inoculate. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about measles in Arizona. I'm talking about inoculating current military members and their families before traumatic experiences or difficult challenges face them. Uh, think about all the, the, there's Wounded Warrior Program out there, awesome program. There's all these other uh, nonprofits and organizations that that focus on veterans and folks that have been injured. But there are hundreds of thousands of military members that have yet to see combat or they've yet to go on a deployment or they're currently serving. I want to find a way to get those folks into the healing power of the outdoors so that they build up resiliency and self-confidence and they know that when crappy things happen to you that you can tough through them. So that's my next project, just trying to link local – probably start in the Northwest and get local uh, groups that want to make, make people river rafters or kayakers or climbers, team them up with maybe some donors and then really start getting those uh, family times before people, before people head to like – Syria or Yemen I want them out like hiking with their kids and their wives or if they're single feeling like they have something to do other than play video games
0: before the fact get them before
1: before inoculate yes yes so that way when the PTSD starts to set in we're not rushing to fix it we've already been proactive Mm -hmm. and we've already set the framework to survive it and overcome it
0: For the listeners, you can find out more about the 50 Summits Challenge, usaf50summits.com. To wrap things up, Rob, I want to find out who you would like to see as the next Mountain Meister. You're this Mountain Meister. Who do you want to see on a future episode?
1: (laughs) So I don't want to say he's a Mountain Miser. I think I'll stick with Mountain Meister. But there is this badass guy who is, gosh, He's in his 60s now, I believe, and he did push-ups on the top of Antarctica with me. Mm. He's also uh, been guiding the Seven Summits and laying new tracks around the world for decades. And his name's Phil Ersler, and he uh, works up at International Mountain Guides right at the base of Mount Rainier. You ought to look that guy up. He has got some stories. He is tough but as like he's like a big cuddly bear that has this (laughs) but he's as gruff as they get so i challenge you guys to get phil ursler on here and he'll talk to you about old school mountaineering
0: for the listeners keep an eye out for phil ursler on a future episode of Mountain Meister. major rob marshall wonderful having you on the show today thank you for joining us
1: thanks ben real honor and uh you guys head for the hills and have fun out there
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode with Major, Major Rob Marshall. United States Air Force, Everest Summiter, just an all-around cool guy. Don't forget that there are a lot of really easy, free, fast, and internally rewarding ways to help Mountain Meister. You can get a free audiobook from audible.com. The link's right on our homepage, and it's a whole month. Pick any book you'd like. You can also help spread the word about Mountain Meister, which you did so well in the month of February. From January to February, Mountain Meister downloads increased an astounding 64%. That's huge. Keep spreading the word, whether it's a social media post or yelling on top of a mountain. You can also leave us a review and a rating on iTunes, which helps us get discovered by people looking for their next podcast. Thank you for that, and enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to this podcast. I'm Ben Shank, and you've been listening to Mountain Meister.